Hello, everyone. Welcome to Amiga Ireland 2020. This is the very first interview we are doing live from the show floor. It's very quiet here on Friday. Uh, early afternoon as no one has yet arrived, but I've managed to track down the one and only Stephen Fletcher, creator of Commodore, the inside story. Oh, right. No. So that'll be David Pleasant. Oh, my gosh. Who is arriving later. I've, I've and he's messed done it the, up again. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, we're both doing uh, the Commodore, but uh, he's the, the Commodore story. story. You're the Commodore, Commodore story. Commodore story, the documentary. Okay. David Pleasant is doing the Commodore story. Uh, sorry, Commodore inside story, which is his uh, inside. That makes sense because he's coming at it from the inside. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a good read, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about. Before we, we, we delve into who you are, tell me a little bit about your film. Yeah, okay, so the Commodore story really is, uh, is a story of the, the people that worked in Commodore, uh, you know, from Jack Trammell, the start, the, the, the founder, um, to, to people that were working on the shop floor doing the prefab or um, d- designing the chips or, or, you know, designing the actual computers that we ended up using. And, um, you know, so... It's a story in their words mm-hmm. of what happened during the, the Commodore years and then later through the Amiga years. That sounds good. And how, how long did it take you to, to sort of do this from beginning to end? The overall project was a, was a one-year project. So we started in the January and then it was released the following February. Okay. Um, and this entailed going interviewing many people throughout Europe and then, of course, over into America. And this was released in 2018, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah February 23rd, 2018. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, that's fantastic. Um, how did you go about, um, you know, raising the you know, publicity for your project? Did you do a Kickstarter, or did you just sort of? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, Kickstarter. We wanted, first of all, we wanted to know, you know, are people interested in actually watching a documentary like this? And uh, at the time, there, there there were a few other documentaries around. Um, we, we did want to take a slightly different slant and, and, and try and re- really get um, underneath the skin of the people and, and find out like their personal stories. So we, we felt there was some additional uh, information, some additional video that could be could be put together. So so we did do a Kickstarter, and primarily uh, this is to find out the interest from people. And, and also, uh, once the, the ball started rolling and, and we found that more and more people were interested in, in being part of of, of the story um, as a contributor in, in backing the, the Kickstarter and then also um, what happened is during the course of the Kickstarter we had more and more people jumping on board um, and, and certainly people like Dave Aney who's coming here later today mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, Leonard Trammell for, for example when, when he jumped on board and said yeah I'll, I'll be part of it it was, uh, it was great for us and great for the people that were backing and it sort of just snowballed from there yeah, um, as as far as you're aware, would you call your film the most complete story, you know, on film of the of the Commodore as a company? I, I would say no, and, I, and the reason why is because I think if you put like the complete story together, you're going to be watching like a twenty hour documentary. Yeah, it's like a know? Ken Burns film. And, yeah, 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 and and um, and when you interview different people from Commodore and, and from Amiga, that they have a, a certain slant on on the. the the section they were working in, and um, yeah, un- unfortunately, the, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't with us today that can actually fill in part of the jigsaw puzzle as well, you know. So, um, although we, we capture, you know, a good 
a good 80% of the story there. There's always going to be some details that people say, oh, you didn't talk about um, such and such a thing. And it's like, well, yeah, or you didn't talk about like what the chip numbers were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, you know, what, what you need to do is uh, like talk to Dave Aney and he'll tell you all the chip numbers. You know, you do need to make some sort of creative decisions. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we decided um, we shot over 100 hours of footage. You know, and um, that was a lot of uh, footage to, to pull down into two hours. Oh yeah. Um, what we did do a few months later is we released the, uh, the Commodore Story interviews and this gives access to the full interviews. So, so for example, RJ Michael, um, if you want to see the, the, the over one hour of the interview with, with him, then that's available there. And you, you know, I mean, you can literally make your own documentary out of all the footage on that one if you want to. Right, right. But um, yeah, there's a lot of guys out there that, that, and girls that want to get into the, the real detail and um, you know so we felt that was important to, right. to get that out there. now we've sort of had I don't want to say a dearth of uh, Amiga related feature films but we've certainly had a few over the past couple yeah, of years yeah. Yeah. and for people that have already seen say Bedrooms to Billions or Viva Amiga yeah. what is something that sets your film apart not necessarily makes it better or worse but what's something different about it I, uh, well um, I guess Fever Amiga is, is, is about the Amiga. It's story. only about the Amiga. Um, so, so we're covering um, from the beginning to the end, uh, which, yeah, is it, quite a big topic, you know. And uh, I think Viva Amiga, certainly, uh, and Bedroom Civilians, they, they have the, their own strengths. Mm-hmm. In, in, and there's a few, there may be a few um, people that they've interviewed that we didn't manage to interview. Uh, as well, you know, so so there, so from that point of view, there's a, a different angle that they maybe uh, get into, you know. Um, what we have tried to do is, um, even though the demise of, of Commodore and Amiga was a, was a sad story, we tried to to have the Commodore story as a celebration of what we actually achieved, you know. R- like remember, we, this is the first time home computers have, have ever existed in in the lifetime of. of of man, right, know? right. It, it, civilization will never be the same again because of computers, mm-hmm. and now we we carry one every day. So, so in in my mind, it was like, who are these giants that created these computers that we grew up with, and and that was the the angle that I wanted to go at. Mm. You know, it's more about creativity, and and and, and the personal side of the, of the story. You know, yeah, um, yeah, and you know, a lot of people got burnt out. With, with the effort they put into, you know, they were working all night to try and uh, hit targets for the, mm-hmm. the, the for the shows. Yeah, the, and, the, uh, and and through the interviews that we we did, you could really see uh, the passion that, oh, ki- that sure. comes from it. Yeah, yeah, I think the the legacy of uh, computer engineering is littered with the corpses of burnt out engineers <laughs> from <laughs> since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the good thing is, um, you know. Uh, a lot, hopefully, have recovered from, yeah, yeah, from the right. time, and, and now they can, they can celebrate. <laughs> they can look back yeah. with the, with fondness. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about your computing background. Yeah, so um, so my first computer was the Vic Twenty, which which fits in quite well to the Commodore story. And um, the reason for getting that was it was the nearest computer to the, the Commodore PET that we used in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the first year that they introduced computer studies, and, and uh, I decided at that point I wanted to be a computer programmer. Um, 
and then after that um, I ended up getting an apprentice job actually working in Z80 you know so oh really wow so yeah I mean you could relate that to this to the spectrum and sure. all that kind of you know all them sort of range of computers mm -hmm. but um, I, I still kept on the the Commodore path so after that I got the Commodore 64 which mainly I used in a, in a business startup uh, for spreadsheets and and word documents you know, and I didn't actually use it too much for games. I mm -hmm. know it sounds crazy, mm -hmm. but um, as a computer for spreadsheets, you know, as it was initially being pushed, it, it was a great computer. You know, we had a little printer and and, uh, and uh, our drive, and uh, we did all our invoices using that computer. It was great. Um, later on, um, started another company, and uh, we were working with the uh, Amiga, and we used the Amiga to create a, a security system. We connected it into security cameras and it was a, a video monitoring system. Wow. And it could do things like detect um, like parcels or, or say like in a shopping centre or, or um, an airport. If somebody left a case in the middle of a room, mm -hmm. even if the room had loads and loads of people walking in front, it could detect a new static object wow. had appeared. And with that Amiga, it was... It was fantastic what we were able to do, you know, as a, as a concept. And uh, unfortunately, we ended up having to port it over to PC before we could do a commercial release because everybody thought the Amiga was a games computer. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the name of that piece of software? It was called Sirius, which, you know, it's quite a common name. Uh -huh. um, and we did install, in the end, we installed it into two shopping centres in, in Coventry and Northampton in the UK, wow. which was... It was an achievement, and it was all on the back of the Commodore Amiga. Something very ahead of its time, because these days everybody's all about Ring and all that stuff. And yeah, and that, that was in, um, let me remember right, that was in 1995. Wow, wow. And I've got to say one thing, the Amiga could perform better than the PC. The DX66 uh, that was, we were using at that time, the Amiga did a better job. But it had to be ported to PC. So. Yeah, well, they, you're not the first developer that, that I've heard that story from. Yeah, so. yeah. so I guess uh, you know, the, the, the passion of, of Commodore and Amiga has been there through the years. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and also, you know, I started dabbling a little bit in, in filmmaking, like uh, unsigned uh, pop groups, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we put live events on in London. And, and so uh, it was inevitable that at some point the, the two... Uh, things were going to merge together, you know. So even though uh, my work life has been a computer programmer, um, yeah, the side of, of doing like filming has always been there, and and so now yeah, the Commodore story was put together, um, and that that brings me to to what what uh, I'm here for now at Amiga uh, uh, Island, mm -hmm. and that is working on a new documentary, which is uh, Amiga 2020, and it's all about the Amiga right now. Um, all the new developments, uh, all the shows around the world, and the, the thousands of people that are passionate and, uh, about the Amiga, and they're using their Amigas on a daily basis. It's right. fantastic. What do you think it is about the Amiga itself you know, that gives it that staying power? Because you don't see this kind of passion around, say, the Atari ST. Yeah. Now, the Atari ST, I mean, that, I did like that machine as well. You know, I'm a bit controversial, and, and the main reason is because of being into music sure the midi port uh, and the midi yeah. port yeah. yeah and and it became the standard for that you know um, but the Amiga there was just some extra magic uh, and, and as soon as I heard um, I forgot the tune that I heard but the sampling capabilities it's like alright well, it's the Paula chip right yeah, yeah yeah 
and uh, as soon as as soon as they heard that you could do the sampling as well it's like well yeah okay you can buy a, a, a midi port mm-hmm. but now I can do sampling as yeah. well and, and um, you, you know using the tracker programs was able to like put put together some interesting uh, sort of tunes uh, and then the graphics you know and uh, of course it started at that point that's when I started getting more into the games and enjoyed uh, there was a port of Chucky Egg that I used to enjoy playing and the, the favourite game of all has got to be Lemmings. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I just love that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your uh, timeline of Amiga ownership? I mean, what models did you own over the years? Um, okay, well, it was it's quite simple. Amiga 500, mm-hmm. and that did the job. Oh, I mean, wow. And Amiga 500 was actually the, the machine we used in, in the business as well for, for doing all the sampling. And, you know, we, we plugged in some peripherals in there for video grabbing, and we, we made some extra hardware and... And it, it did a great job. Yeah. Boy, I tell you that that's amazing that the, the, your stock 500 that most people were using to play Shadow of the Beast or whatever could yep. could be used for such a high end sort of business application. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you one little story. We we went to a security exhibition, and um, and we were in a room rather like this, and you know this looks quite a posh plush room, and um, we had lots and lots of um, security devices. Somebody was there displaying. Like a secret suitcase that had all, <laughs> all like James Bond spyware in there, you know, for, mm-hmm. for doing all sorts of security uh, mm-hmm. uh, surveillance, and and we had the Amiga five hundred, um, but what we needed to do, we needed to hide the Amiga five hundred underneath the plinth, underneath the table, mm-hmm. um, so nobody could see see what it was, and and on top we just had the mouse, and and a monitor, and then you know, and and that way. People just thought it was a PC or something a lot more powerful. Yeah, you know. And there was one or two that we, we let in, let them into the secret and said, "Look, that's what it is." You know. It is sort of a shame that even putting it out there on the table would send sort of the wrong impression to some people. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But um, yeah, I mean, what, what I'd like to say is good memories of, of the Amiga. Um, I did go through a dark period where, like, we'd moved over to PC mm-hmm. and then uh, started using the Amiga less and less, and mm-hmm. then. I actually don't know what happened to it. I must have sold it to buy another computer. Yeah, yeah. So there's been a, a, a I call it the dark ages, mm-hmm. uh, and it's only it's only over the last few years that um, you know getting back the collection, the, the Vic Twenty Commodore One to Eight. I used to work on that one, mm-hmm. and, and of course the Amiga Five Hundred. But now I have uh, expansion pack as well. You know. So these days, when you do your Amiga stuff, you're actually you're still working on original hardware when you're tooling around with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I have these crazy ideas of creating an Amiga game in the future oh. um, like right now I've been working for the last year on, on a Commodore 64 game and, and it was and the reason for that is a personal challenge it's called Cosmic Force um, and I wanted to get back to basics and, and see how much I could hit the metal uh, programming machine code and it's a, it's a shoot 'em up based on Defender and uh, Galaxian and, and I try and Put a little bit of uh, 3D Star Wars into there as well. That sounds incredible. It's it's incredible, but it's been really challenging, you know. And um, you know, it's been a, a a lot more effort than you would expect it to be, um, because you're using technology that's 35 years old, and mm-hmm. you're trying to you're trying to make it as good as possible, you know. How much of that, uh, you know, when you got back in, because I'm sure it had been forever since you programmed for Assembler. Yeah. How, did, yeah. How, how long did it take you to sort of come come back to grips with all that? Yeah, well, you know, 
it was funny talking to my son and he said, oh, could you not put that into a subroutine? And he's talking like high level language. And I said, no, you've got to understand this is low level language. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the main thing that's happening here, it's all about memory management. Memory management, and yeah. speed, yeah. And, and, and speed, yep. definitely mm-hmm. speed, you know. So it, yeah, um, I, I had done 6502 in the past. I worked on the Commodore 128. That was a different story. We, we, we actually connected the Commodore 128 to uh, carpet making machines. Oh, really? So we could design um, sculptured carpet. How interesting. Needle bar. You know, like a needle bar shifty where you have the, you have the, the darn. Was, yeah. You, mm-hmm. you would say darn in America. Oh, yeah, yeah. The thing that goes back <laughs> the, the and forth. Threads. Yeah. You have the threads in a certain uh, order of color, and then the needle bar shifter would say, all right, two to the left, two to the right, mm-hmm. and then you'd, you'd design a carpet that way. And then. Uh, Almost like an embroidery machine, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the Commodore 128 was used to do the full design uh, and also for the sculptured carpet as well, the, the Pilot uh, sculptured carpet. Mm. And then that data was then sent through um, a data connection to the actual like machine controller. And, uh, yeah, industrial machine being controlled by a Commodore 128 wow. for making carpet. and. So that's another element of the expertise. It's so funny because, just like you said, the the Commodore machines in particular just have this reputation for being games machines. You know, whether it was because it was only forty column or whatever. But it's always amazing to hear about all the industrial applications that that people don't remember. Yeah. So, so possibly I will set myself up for the challenge of um, whether it's the same game or whether it's a new game but I think I'm going to go for it and say right um, at some point in the future I'm going to I'm going to write a game for the Amiga and and actually it's going to be uh, really fulfilling because the, the amount of extra power that you've got from the 64 and I, and I love the 64 mm-hmm. but it's just going to be a different ball game programming for the Amiga Is there some place where uh, you're uh, posting your development progress online? Yeah uh, well on Facebook, there's a there's a channel which is the, the Commodore Story okay. channel, and I do updates there. Uh, I did do a, a, a little Kickstarter, and I've got some backers that so I, I keep them updated. And recently did a, a beta release. Um, as always, these things take longer than you want them to. Sure. But um, yeah, we're coming to the last uh, month, couple of months of development, um, and then. I think at, at, at that point we'll be sending it out for uh, review and uh, I'm sure that you'll see a few reviews of it. Oh, and, yeah. And, and whether we do something with the Amiga in the future, we'll decide on that one. But uh, right now um, I'll be concentrating on the documentary like Amiga 2020, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, like I say, you know, that, that's one of the reasons for being here today Yeah. at uh, Amiga Island. Yeah, yeah. Well, Stephen, it's been so nice talking to you. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to uh, fill me in on your projects. Yeah, yeah. And the, it, it's good that it's starting to get busy in here now. And, That's uh, right. It, it's going to be a great weekend, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much. Thank uh, you. I'll shake your room. All right. <laughs>